0: Amen. You may be seated. All right. So it is, as I said earlier, it is good. Uh, God is pleased when his church is busy um, and when services are busy and there's a lot going on. And so we're going to go right into um, our scripture today. we through the Lent, the time of Lent. We're doing Matthew 7. Um, And we're doing the entire chapter broken down. Today our scripture uh, begins in verse 7 and ends in verse 11. Listen for the word of the Lord. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks you for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. All right, so when we look at this scripture we see that, uh, let's start at the back part, that God is, Jesus has kind of changed this. Oftentimes, if we remember the scripture of the widow in Luke, uh, she is um, uh, praised for her persistence in prayer, for her persistence um, in seeking uh, the blessings of Jesus. And so here, we see that kind of uh, Jewish Uh, emphasis on persistence. Keep asking, keep knocking, uh, keep seeking. But really, what this turns into is not so much on the persistence of the asker or the seeker, but the goodness of the Father. That it is about the goodness of the Father. That The examples are the fish and the loaves, right? Not a stone or not a snake. The Father's going to give you good things. And so this scripture is, as all things, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is here to focus on God and eventually himself that we are to shift from the Old Testament law, where it's all about us being obedient and being faithful to follow the law because we can't do that, to shifting to focusing on the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God the Father. And so we see a lot of examples of this kind of shifting tone because it's gonna be all about not people anymore, not following the law, but about God and God's mercy and God's grace and God's forgiveness. And so we see that in this text uh, as Jesus continues to teach and to prepare uh, the world and his people for his death. And so there's still an emphasis on seeking and asking, but in a, in a faithful way that is not dependent on your persistence but in your trust and faith on the one in whom you're asking, in the one that you are seeking. I ask because I trust you. I seek because I want you. And I know that you are good, and you're gracious, and you're merciful. And so it's still an emphasis in our Scripture about seeking and asking and knocking, but again, it goes back, the focus now is on the goodness whom we're asking, we're seeking. And so we get into this, uh, what seems like a never-ending game of hide-and-seek between humanity and God. It goes way back to chapter three, right in the beginning, you hear me say these things often, first two chapters, it was perfect, perfect harmony, perfect unity, perfect relationship, and then God had given us this will to help us, to, to enable us to love God and one, one another. And that is the root of love for us. But if used selfishly, that will is also the foundation and the root of our sin. And so in chapter 3, we see that we are used it selfishly, and, and they did exactly what God did, told them not to do. They ate from the tree of good and evil and had opened their eyes to good and evil and that's all too big for us to comprehend. But the point is they used their will selfishly and from that moment on, what happened? Immediately after that, God was walking through the garden and they hid. There was shame. There was guilt. Stuff that was never there before. And they hid because they were uh, naked and what they had, they'd gone against God. And they're, he said, where are you? And they said, we hid because we were naked. And this is where God said, oh, we're in trouble. He said, who told you you were naked? When did that become a thing? Right? And from that point on, Humanity has collectively and individually has been hiding from God the whole time. But in the Old Testament, God was trying to get them to find him. He he was trying to help them find him through the law. This is my nature. This is what it looks like through covenant. Let's have a relationship, a faithful relationship through the prophets calling them back. Please, please. God was always presenting himself to them. And they, you know when they found them, When they got in trouble, right? That's when we really seek God. When we're doing great, we say, look how good I'm doing. Boy, things are really looking up for me, and I'm, I'm just a, a great person. And then when they go south, it's not our fault. And we start seeking God. And we see that throughout the Old Testament. They're constantly, when they're in trouble, they call out for God. But God, in his mercy, told them, when you screw up, when you worship other gods, when you're unfaithful to me, return to me, and I will return to you. So a lot of people will say, well, there's no grace. It's all law in the Old Testament. It's all grace in the Old Testament. They continually turned their back on God, continually rebelled against his love, And yet he continually says, return to me and I will return to you. And so we see this this thing about us having trouble identifying God, finding God. It's always a little bit, we find him and then we don't find him. We see him, we don't see him. But it's not God's fault. He has been hiding in plain sight from the beginning of time. Acts 17, when he's talking in Athens to the uh, Arapacus, he's saying, you, God, you have this unknown God, but God is in all of us. He's in what we do, our breath, our life. He's in everything. Romans 1 tells us that God from the beginning of time, because of the created order, all of creation, testifies to the reality of God. And so God has always been in plain sight, but we are the ones that have a problem. So when we get into this hiding and seeking God, it's not in the the, the finding God that's the problem. God's always been in plain sight. The truth about God is right there before us, and He even made it easier. You know, talking about the God that was in the ark or in the temple behind the curtain, uh, the God that was in the sky. And so he said, all right, they're having a problem finding me because I'm too obscure. Now, I don't know if he really thought that, but I know the plan changed. He says, I'm going to give you a person that you can see. I'm going to give you a person, how he acts, how he loves, how he forgives, I'm going to give you a person, so it's going to be easier for you to see me and find me in the person of Jesus Christ, the incarnation. God became flesh. God became man. So you would think, that's, this is phenomenal. God became man in the person of Jesus Christ, so it's going to be easy to find him. Didn't help, right? Well, it helped some of us, I guess. But see, that's the thing. We get down to the root, it's not in who God is. That's not the problem. Finding God, seeing God isn't the problem. It's in the seeking that is the issue. Because who's doing the seeking? We're doing the seeking. God is plain before us, but we have a lot of junk. We come with a lot of baggage. We have a lot of personal bias and agendas, and which all gets in the way of us finding God. And so what is the problem? Where does this come from? How come we can't see God more clearly? Because we got a lot of junk, and it builds up over time. And we have trouble seeking God for many different reasons. Some people don't try to seek him at all. It's not a thing for for many different reasons, right? They've, They've bought into the lie that this world is heaven itself, that this world, the treasures of this world are all you need for fulfillment, contentment, happiness. If that was true, Hollywood would be the happiest place on earth, the most content, the most fulfilled, the most peaceful. It's not the things of this world. It's not the treasure of this world, but it is the treasures of heaven. But we buy into the lie and we think this life is all that there is. And so we live for this life. And we can't find God. We can't see him because the world is in the way. Sometimes we're in the way. We we have our own... Personal agendas and are in our arrogance. We say there's no such thing as God. And we belittle God and the idea of God. I said in here once a few weeks ago you know, if you think about um, a a secular understanding of evolution and just starting from scratch in the the middle of this uh, infinite universe and, and you just go on and on, that's crazy. I mean that overwhelms you. It, it, I can't comprehend that if you really think about it. And so and then you think about God who created from scratch, and, and there's more evidence for that. But what I said was both of them are crazy. It's just which crazy thing are you gonna believe? And so we get in our own way. And sometimes it's sin. Sometimes we just Um, are blinded by our sin. We live in it long enough, we're not going to be able to see out of it. Romans chapter 1 says in verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served and created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God has, has gave them to the shameful lust. And even, uh, and they gave them over to the lie. So what he's saying is, eventually we will just live in that so long that we'll be handed over that and we're blinded to the truth. And so we can't find. We don't, so some just aren't seeking at all. And some seek very half-heartedly. Now I'm getting a little closer to home on this, so watch your toes. And I'm talking to all of us. We, some, maybe we seek full with all our heart, mind, and soul at some times, but then other times we grow distant. We're just like Israel, right? We are Israel individually. There's times we're closer to God and we seek him in all areas of our life. And then there's sometimes we shut Him out in certain areas because we have, you know, maybe it's, we come because we're, we want to alleviate some guilt in our life. As a pastor, I've seen many over the years that have done something horrible or or had some type of issue in their life, and they come to church and pour out their heart, and as soon as they start feeling better, they're gone. So sometimes it's just to alleviate guilt. Sometimes it's a self-help program, right? I want to feel better about myself, so I'm going to go to church and start working out, which are good things to do. But that doesn't mess. Just because you're in church doesn't mean you have a relationship with Jesus. Just because you're in church doesn't mean you're seeing God. Those are two different things. They can be one beautiful thing. But so sometimes we just kind of half heartedly seek. And you know, if we half heartedly seek, we'll half heartedly get. And then we'll look at other Christians that are filled with the Spirit and have this love and this passion for the Lord, and we'll say, well, why? What? I don't see that. I'm not getting that. What are you giving? What are you holding back? So the point is, it is the seeking that is the problem. There's only one way that to seek God and to receive all the fullness of the blessing that God wants desperately To give us. Deuteronomy 4, 29 says, If you seek me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and all of your soul, you will find me. That's not a maybe. That's not a um, hopefully. That is a promise from God. God has never broke a promise. It's against his nature. If we seek him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, we will find him in the fullness that he wants us to receive from him. We will receive the abundant life that he promises us in Jesus Christ. And we don't have to guess. We don't have to think about the God in the sky or the God in the ark or the God behind the curtain. All we have to do is look and see Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, and say, I want him. I seek him. And we will find him because he's already found us and he's waiting for us to ask. He's waiting for us to seek. He's got it all set up. He's waiting for us to knock and he'll open, he'll answer and we'll find him. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we come to your table, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to ours, that you are ever present, that your Spirit is there nudging us. Seek me, seek me, look for me, I am right here. And Lord, help us to answer those nudges of the Spirit that we might find you in our work life, in our home life, in our neighborhoods. You're always nudging us to do something, to say something, to seek you in some way. Help us to be faithful and responsive to the nudging of your spirit that says, come, find me. Lord, you have given yourself on the cross that we might have life and life abundantly. Lord, as we come into communion, may that message, may that good news, be ministered unto our hearts by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.